on multiple different occasions will be like kind of moving in and it's usually me trying to like wrangle the kids into the house because they're all over and we're like in front of a pretty it's a it's a four lanes you know two lanes in each direction kind of street but it's the quiet end of the street so it's not like there's tons of traffic but it is a main road so I'm always trying to like usher the kids in or keep them on our side without because there's no fence um and it's chaotic and then I'll turn around and there'll be just a neighbor standing there like watching us and I'm like oh my say something you know I'm gonna put a bell on you people Welcome to Founders Vika with Deanna and Desiree. I'm Deanna. And I'm Desiree. We're California attorneys with a passion for empowering small women-owned creative businesses that make beautiful things. So today we're talking about the five uh, most common and probably biggest mistakes that we've seen working with small businesses. Um, Let's start from bad to worst. Deanna, you want to go with number five? Sure. So number five is having your accountant make your business entity. So the biggest reason that this is an issue is because as a business, you have a duty to perform that you wouldn't necessarily know if you're working with an accountant to form your business entity. Yeah. Usually accountants like will file your main paperwork for you, which is super easy. Like They're just the main forms with the secretary of state. That could be your articles of organization if you're an LLC. Um, And that's like a single form that, I mean, anyone can do that. It's pretty simple to do. Yeah. Yeah. Realistically, you could probably fill that out yourself. You wouldn't even need to pay an accountant. But you really should work with a lawyer because in addition to filling out that form with the Secretary of State, you should have an operating agreement or a Um, bylaws for your business, depending on which type of entity you have, an LLC or a corporation. And if you don't have those those documents and what those documents are essentially are contracts between you, the member or the shareholder, again, depending on the type of entity you have, and the business itself. Because if you remember back in our LLC episode, um, a business entity is like a completely separate person. And if you don't have that contract between these two, you know, you and your business, then you don't actually have an entity that is separate from you. That's a shell corporation. Yep. And then there's also um, taxes that you have to pay. So, you know, your accountant might not tell you that. They're just going to fill out that initial form for you. Right. And if you don't pay your taxes, then um, you'll get what's called an FTB suspend on your um, Secretary of State listing which essentially means that your business entity is suspended for non-payment and you don't have coverage. And all of this, all of these little factors mean that you, you know, like I said, you're a shell corporation, meaning that you don't have any of the protections that you thought you had. So there's no separation between your personal liabilities and your business assets or liabilities, vice versa. Um, So make sure you consult with an, with an attorney to form your business entity for you, not just your accountant. Number four on the list is store credit. I hate when I see store credit. Um, I don't like store credit for like a makeup shoot or for part of your wedding package. Like in addition to shooting and an album, you get 
you know, a $300 credit or whatever. Um, this also kind of ties into like a sub number four, which is having no parameters around the client's duty to perform their part of it. I think one of the biggest wish list items that I would see when I'm working with um, with business owners is like how long they have to wait for their client to respond to them. You know, I think we all know that waiting for your client really slows down your workflow and can cause delays in other things that you have to do for other jobs. So it's important to like let your client know if you if you want them to respond to you within 14 days, let them know that. And it should really be in your contract ahead of time so that the clients are prepared for that. Similarly, with the store credit issue, you are waiting for the clients to perform because they need to pick what they want to spend their store credit on. In in California, the dollar amount of the store credit does not expire. So if you gave them like a $300 store credit and they don't use it for like another two years, your prices might have gone up, meaning that instead of shooting a family session for $300, you're now shooting it for $500 and they want to do a family session with their store credit, but it's only worth $300. You know, the client's unhappy because you might be asking them to pay the extra $200 or you'll be unhappy because you're shooting a session that was only $300 that's now worth $500 to you. Um, Also remember that when you are honoring store credit, you're doing it at a later time. So you're still doing the work later on and not being compensated because you got payment for the store credit much earlier on. So nobody's happy when it comes to store credit. I always say return the money, just, you know, return the money and make it a clean transaction. And if they want to come back to you, because they probably will charge them at that time, but don't, don't be somebody's accountant for them and, um, hold on to that money and earmark. What about number three? Taking final payment after performance or the day of, unless it's industry standard, but even then you should get paid ahead. We have clients coming to us where their client reached out to them months or years after payment was due and it just becomes a big nightmare. I mean, fortunately it's not that common, but we have seen it. And I think that the reason why um, vendors have like a really lenient payment plan is because they, it kind of goes back to that mental block of like, Oh, I don't want to like be imposed you know, impose upon you with my pricing or they're not embarrassed, but they're just really shy about saying, here is my invoice, pay me. You know, you got to say it with your chest, people. If you want to get paid before the wedding, make it for real before the wedding. And you should be getting paid before the wedding because, you know, clients go on their honeymoon. Clients are a lot less responsive after the day of the event. So, be sure to get paid before you perform, before you do your final performance. Um, I always recommend at least 28 days before. That way you have enough time to communicate with the client, give them a couple of days if they're a little bit slow to get paid, um, and still have enough time to deposit the check if you're taking payment by check to make sure that the fund's clear before the wedding happens. Um, The caveat about unless it's industry standard, Really, I see this with hair and makeup artists, right? It's pretty common to get paid at the event by whoever you're working on at the event. Um, so, I mean, I think that it's it's customary to do that, and most people um, are prepared to do that. 
as the digital age starts to take over and people are paying more by Venmo, you should have less trouble getting paid. But if you are getting paid on the day of the event, you still run the risk of having someone say, oh, I thought that the bride was paying for this or, oh, I don't have enough money in my account right now. Can I just pay you on Monday? Something like that. And you want to make sure that you're at least covered in your contract where it says something like, um, yes, we'll take payment directly from your, your service guests. However, if we don't receive full payment for whatever reason, you, the bride who we have this contract with, are responsible for all of the services that are due, whether or not they're performed on you, the bride. That just gives you some coverage um, in case you know, worst comes to worst. And it's also really hard to ask for money the day of the event because you're right there at the event while everybody's more concerned about the wedding. Um, I've definitely seen it before where the bride is scrambling with like the, the bridesmaids to get a checkbook or something. So if you also have um, a preferred form of payment that is not as easy as like Venmo, you should let them know ahead of time. And I think it's also important here, right, to mention about the contract with the hair and makeup artist and the and the bride. So it would also be covering the services that they perform on the, the wedding party. Yes. Right. Yeah. So your um your contract should really say that you, the bride, are responsible for your service guests, anyone that's getting services that are not a party to this contract. And then for number two, we we basically uh, folded here and combined number two and one because I think that these are equally horrible things um, and equally horrible in the sense that it's kind of uh, you, you cross a threshold of no return that makes that really limits your options about how to mitigate the harms that come from doing these things. So, um, Deanna, you want to talk about the first one there? Yep. So number two that you know, time number one is consulting Facebook. Do yeah. not go to Facebook when you have legal questions um, to get answers. It's just a really bad idea. And not even just legal questions, just anytime you have a problem in your business, do not consult Facebook. You know, um, I, I think it's true that the internet will give you the answer that you're looking for for anything. And that's doubly true on Facebook. Right. If you want to hear somebody tell you, oh, yeah, they totally copied you, torch that business, you're going to hear that. (laughs) Um, So I think Facebook has a place for sure. Like that that kind of community has a place that makes sense for the creative community. And that's more in a positive light. So, for example, you know, sharing. I tried this new technique and I really love it. I think you guys will like it too. Or come check out my workshop. Or um, how did you guys deal with the heat last weekend? I tried this thing. That is what Facebook and other communities like that are for. It is not for things like, I'm afraid that my client is going to badmouth me even though it was all their fault that blah, 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 blah. Or um, they copied my website. Yeah, they copied my website. What should I do? What should I tell them? Like, I'm really upset. It was very personal to me. That is not the place that you want to go for getting advice for something negative. If you want to go to Facebook to vent, that makes sense. Sure, 
go vent. It's nice to be surrounded by a community, but do not take action based on anything that you find on Facebook or Google or something similar. Yeah, it's it's a better idea to consult with the attorney, and that's why we offer flat fees, no hidden costs. So it's you know we're not scary. That's right. I yeah. That's that's a good point, Deanna. Like that's one of the things I think that holds a lot of people back from consulting with a professional is that they're worried about pricing. Like, is this an hourly rate? How long should I expect this to take? And it's kind of a mystery that people don't want to financially commit to. And the flat rate pricing makes a lot of sense. Um, it's it's out there. It's in the open. It's on your website. It's a flat rate, meaning that um, you know what you're getting and for how long. And it's much cheaper to consult with with an attorney who has a flat rate than to deal with the damage afterwards because you know we definitely deal with damage afterwards and the prices go up. The other worst thing, I think the other tied for number one here, is working with the the mother of the bride or the coordinator, somebody who's not the bride and groom, especially when you're signing the contract. I think that was like my number one most asked question three years ago, like, um, the aunt wants to pay for the services. Um, so I had her sign the contract too. Um, or dad's paying for, for my services. Um, should I have him sign the contract? What do you think, Deanna? No, you should always, if you can have the bride and groom sign the contract because it's their wedding and this day is very important to them and you don't want to have to be trying to please the person who signed the contract, if it's not them, like trying to please the mother of the bride, because you're still going to be trying to please also the bride and groom and there just might be conflict. Um, Right. Yeah. So definitely try to get the bride and the groom to sign the contract, even if they're not paying. Yeah. I mean, the payment is inconsequential to who signs the contract. You can have them mail the check. You can mail the invoice to whoever wants to pay for them. That is not part of the contract in terms of like where you get your payment. When you sign a contract with a party, those two parties have a duty to each other. So if you're signing the contract with mom or dad, you have a duty to mom or dad. Everything that's in your contract now applies to them. But I've never met a vendor who did not want to satisfy the bride or groom, even if they signed a contract with mom or dad. So you end up trying to meet the burdens and the expectations of two different sets of people. And I think we can all agree that mom of the bride has very different wants and asks from the bride herself or the groom. Um, And so, you know, you're opening yourself up to a lot of problems when you sign with somebody who is not what you consider to be your client. Yep, absolutely. And that wraps up our list of the five worst things that you can do. And remember, there are other bad things, but these are just the top five that we see most frequently. If you have questions, if you need help in your business, do not hesitate to reach out to Deanna. Um, Her pricing is very transparent, as we said earlier, and um, nip those problems in the bud so that it's not more expensive later on. Have a great week, all. Are you a creative business owner getting goals and milestones in your business? We want to know and celebrate with you. 
hit the link in our bio and fill out our form so we can shout you out on the pod. And before we go, there's a few things you should know. Founders speak is for educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as legal advice. Always consult an attorney licensed in your state if you need legal advice. In some states, like California, this podcast may be considered attorney advertising.